Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, welcome to Barangaroo Studios. We are broadcasting live. This is The Call. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Friday, the 30th of October, and I am Nadine Blaney. I'm joined here by two expert guests here for the full hour. I've got Claude Walker from A Rich Life and Rudy Philippek van Dyke from FN Arena. Guys, welcome to the program. My Good pleasure. as always to have you here. We have a lot to get through. I'm going to start with the stock of the day. Uh, it is called E-Road. Ticker code ERD. So it's a little under the radar. It is a Kiwi tech play, obviously listed here in Australia. Transport and logistics firm that is building tracking software to manage vehicle fleets, as well as handle regulatory compliance, improve driver safety, and make it cheaper and sweeter to run a fleet of vehicles or other assets. I feel like we might have got that from their website. Something appears to be working over the past three years. E-Road's earnings per share has jumped by about 60% each and every year. It listed last month here in Australia, and uh, it was out with the pretty upbeat quarterly update just a couple of days ago, even in the face of this pandemic. So let's get to our stock of the day with my two expert guests. Claude Walker from A Rich Life, I am going to start with you. So it's software as a service. Why do you know did it decide to list here in Australia? Um, well, that's a very good question. I think that the reason that they've given for that is that they wanted to raise some more capital and they did raise about $50 million in order to facilitate the listing on the ASX. And they're going to use that capital to accelerate their growth plans in America. So right now this um, e-road is mostly in New Zealand because New Zealand has uh, user charging for trucks that go on, on roads and that's how it sort of got its start. And some states in America have that as well, and they have a bit of a business in America. And the idea is that basically you, charging fuel excises is not the best way to charge people for usage of roads, especially as now we've got electric cars coming more and more. Right, right. So states need to move to user charging, and that means you need to track what trucks and stuff are doing on the road. So just let me interrupt. So E-Road, does it have the technology that actually gets put into the vehicles as well as what is put presumably on the road to track them? Yeah, so you don't need anything on the road. It's just in the GPS, vehicles. Sorry. GPS yeah. is doing it and they do have that technology. So that's potentially one of the re like the less good things about it is even though it's a model is software as a service because of course it's software that tracks all of this, mm -hmm. there is a hardware component which they need to build and, and people need to install. So that does reduce the margins a little bit. But the margin's still, you know, really good. I think it was a 33% a bit to margin, which is uh, totally respectable. And on top of that, they're trading at about four times uh, annualized recurring revenue or even just recurring revenue forecast for FY2021. And that compares favorably to many of the other software stocks on the ASX. And I think this is simply because nobody's talking about the stock. You know, I did a bit of I look for this show and I think there's been two articles in the AFR, AFR about the company when it did its listing on the, on the ASX. There's no coverage in 
Motley Fool, we don't have any coverage. I don't know if Rudy ha couldn't find any from Rudy. So Livewire doesn't have any coverage. Motley Fool doesn't have a coverage. I don't. First on Ozbiz. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so first Rich on Life Ozbiz. has nothing. Nobody's talking about this stock. It is just on a superficial level, revenue multiple. It looks cheap. I should disclose I own shares and have been buying from last week. Okay. All right. So it had this quarterly update. Um, where is the growth going to continue to come from? I mean, you do mention that it's got a US business. So how do you execute that US business when you're a Kiwi company listed in Australia, presumably not traveling much themselves these days? Yeah, so that I think is a challenge. Obviously, they've got operations in the US. They already do have US revenue, which is actually something that I probably didn't realize when I first looked at it. I thought it was just a New Zealand company, but um, they've already got some revenue going in the US. They're making sales there. and the argument would be that the market for this sort of tracking in the US is consolidating now. So it's definitely not, success in the USA is never guaranteed. As I'm sure Rudy's gonna point out, we've had a litany of companies that are like, oh yeah, we're gonna go and expand internationally. And, mo and many times it fails. Yeah. So that's the big risk. I can't guarantee that, but you know, th they've got a foothold. So is there enough of a market in Australia, New Zealand, uh, closer to home that could sustain growth in this company, Rudy? Do you know it? No, but I do know one thing, if they are very successful, and if it proves to be a very successful market, other, other companies will be looking at it as well, right? Um, I think adding to what Claude has already said, I think there's a, there's a couple of elements here to take into account. It's just listed, which that's, a, that's one of the reasons why it hasn't had any attention anywhere. Um, every company that lists um, has a beautiful, fantastic story to tell. and. Often the, the, the price the price moves after listing has more tells you more about how sentiment is in general than about the company specific. Like for example, there are times when, when everyone's looking for a gold producer, if then a new one lists, share price goes up. We mm -hmm. had one this week. There you go. It's that simple. I mean, other times if it's, if, if if another theme is in, is in vogue and you and you list and then your company share doesn't do anything because sentiment is not with you. So my strategy with, with these young companies is that I don't, I don't buy them like Claude does. I mean, I obviously have a different um, uh, risk uh, uh, appetite level. Um, I just watch them because if it's really a good company and if they really do well, you can buy within a year, you can buy within two years, you can buy within three years. I mean, I, at the moment, <coughs> as a disclosure, I own companies like a Zero, like a Pepcor, like a NextGC. They all listed Apple. They all listed over the past four years. Yeah? I never bought any of them in the IPO, and I didn't buy any of them in the first year after the IPO because there's nothing wrong with seeing what happens with the company and what the share price does and what the company does with their first announcements, their first results, and etc. Because as I said before, if it's a really good company, you might miss out on the first, I mean, the first gains that come out from the IPO price. But this. There's plenty to come, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I mean, uh, a stock like like Zero, for example, has tripled or quadrupled since I bought it. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, there's nothing. Also, more. backing up that point, uh, a fund manager, a friend of mine, Matt Joss, great fund manager, he mentioned to me that the CEO of um, the company isn't like doesn't come across as very you know loving the limelight or very promotional. I don't think we'll see the kind of you know big. Um, investor relations push you might see with other companies, mm -hmm. and as a result, I wouldn't have thought there's any massive rush um, to buy it. Like, let's just you could. I, it's one that I would be happy to just watch because mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to suddenly go. You know, when they start promoting it or anything, I think it's a quiet achiever. But having said that, I do like it at current yeah, prices. Yeah. The other thing to highlight, I think, as well, is is um, New Zealand has done an incredibly fantastic job 
in getting companies on the Australian share market that, that are all of a sudden um, very exciting. I mean, we, it started with, with A2 Milk, but we since have had uh, Zero, we had Pushpay, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm certain there's a few other ones. And they sort of have created this, this technology hub, and, and it's only logical for them to come to, come to Australia because of access to more capital. But yeah. I think Australia could take a very good view at New Zealand. Mm -hmm. and, and with because we, we tend to be focused on supermarkets and, 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 and the stuff to dig out of the ground. Yeah. But there's, there's, some, there's some very good things that come from New Zealand, just across the Tasman. Yeah, um, including <laughs> wine. Uh, we were talking to uh, somebody from Hawke's Bay earlier today. All right, so E-Road, E-R-D is the ticker code. You like it, Claude. Do, yeah. Rudy's happy I'm to happy sit back to and watch it. It's not going in the portfolio. Let's get on to some of the companies that have been sent in uh, by our viewers. They'd like to know about Ansel. Shania asking about Ansel, so more traditional company, ANN, actually out with a bit of news today. Pretty solid update coming from the company. It's looking for FY20 organic growth to be in the double digits, although keeping an eye on cost increases that it's expecting to come through in the Q3 of FY21, uh, because of course it's dependent uh, to a certain degree on you know commodity prices, really. Yes, it's the latex and, and all that stuff yeah. that unfortunately they have to buy in. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I've been a long-term uh, fan of Ansel. I mean, Ansel is one of those companies I think is traditionally under, under, underappreciated for what it actually brings to the table. Um, I very much compare it with, a, with an MCOR, it has and, and even with a Technology One. They have, they have a lot of similar characteristics, but obviously there are um, different businesses. Um, the fact that Ansel now has been re-rated and, and manages to back that up with, with, uh, with excellent updates. It probably shows all of us that how, how much parts of the business are benefiting from, from this pandemic. Mm -hmm. right? Because there are other parts of the business that are absolutely not. But it's, it's really, it's a, it's a mixed basket. Because these guys also um, had ventured into the oil and gas industry, for example. And just for people who have no idea about Ansel, Everything latex we can think of, from gloves to masks to whole suits that people wear on, on, on drilling platforms and, and the likes, and in hospitals, um, it's pretty much uh, it's their, their, their core business. Um, so it's, it goes into hospitals, into, um, into uh, households as well, and into uh, um, oil and gas industry yeah, and other ones. That. Yes. So it's a very wide, and that's one of the characteristics that why it's such a diversified business. It, it's not necessarily hooked onto one particular trend or, 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 um, or industry. And, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, I, why I like it. I don't like it enough to buy, to chase that current level. I think levels, I was gonna ask about price, Not right? at current levels, but um, I mean, we are living now in, in volatile times. And if, if, um, if people are looking to strengthen their portfolio with a relatively solid performer over the long run and now benefiting from new trends, I would I would advocate that if there's any uh, selling down the shares or so uh, we always get put pressure put on us by yes. our viewers. So it's trading at about forty forty one dollars right yes. now. Say you know how how what yeah, would be an no, attractive that's, that's, entry that's point? That's how long is a piece of string, huh? The thing is, in the long term, it doesn't matter because this share price is is bound to go to fifty dollars. Yeah, mm -hmm. just not next month. So it just depends on how comfortable you are. That's why I say, if it sells off, you buy yeah. it. Right? Okay, Claude, I'm curious because this is, you know, a more traditional company, uh, well diversified to Rudy's mm. point. Uh, one of those that has proved resilient through the pandemic. Is that enough to make you look at it favorably? Uh, I definitely have a favorable view on it. And I think, you know, Rudy's given great background then. 
Um, I'll probably take a slightly more positive stance, which is like just upgraded guidance, which is good. I think it's only at about 30 times, you know, forward earnings. So it's not absolutely ridiculous, although it's pretty pricey. Uh, and then you've got a 2% yield. So again, not, not great. It looks pretty fully priced, but what I really like about it is of course, even though it does have broad businesses, it has been going absolutely gangbusters with all of its um, personal protective gear kind of stuff. And what I would argue is that uh, the whole pandemic thing has done not one, but two good things for that line of business, which is one, obviously increased demand for all of that stuff in a big way, but two, increase the value of brand in that because nobody really wants to buy PPE gear that might not work, especially not for health professionals mm. that are really exposed. Mm. So that if anything, I think that's increased the brand value mm -hmm. of Ansel by like making it even more important that you have high quality stuff. So I think it's a double good there. Mm. Uh, for me, it's just a hold right now. Um, you, you, you say that you like to have chat about valuation. Well, I can sort of give you the sort of price that I do think it is pretty good. Obviously for me, this is the classic father-in-law stock. I don't buy these mega caps yeah. really. Mega cap. Except Come for like, on, well, I don't buy these large caps except maybe yeah. CSL just just because of Rudy. So, but I, would, um, but I wouldn't call Ansel a mega cap. Yeah, uh, I don't buy these. Cap. I, you know, got, you guys know, like, I really prefer yeah. small caps. But this is a father-in-law stock, and I think that my father-in-law bought it at around thirty-two dollars, uh, which was after the pandemic came. Mm. You know, it went right down, I think, yeah. to twenty, and then when we were looking for good ideas to buy mm. on the rebound, that was sort of an obvious one. Okay, good. So that's Ansel. Um, pretty positive view on that, and I would also say that I think that. It's my two cents. You know, whereas nobody in the city ever wore a mask before, really, in Sydney, I think there mm. will be a legacy that our habits and our behaviors have changed through this pandemic, and it might be more common that, you know, just PPE is used in, in other scenarios. Okay, let's get to number two on the list. We're only at number two, sorry. Uh, Flight Center. This is coming to us from Harry. Okay, Flight Center came up in a conversation I had this morning yeah. with the author of the AFR Rich List, because for the first time since the 1990s, Graham Turner, Bill James, and Jeff Harris off the Rich Not List, there, a yeah. real sign of the times, Rudy. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I personally, I think that most um, retail investors shouldn't go there. Um, and if they do, uh, they better know what, what, what they're basically what they're investing in. I mean, um, you are investing now in the, in the reopening of economies, essentially, and in the reopening of travel. Um, the longer that takes, both scenarios, um, the higher the chance that these guys will at some point have to raise capital again, which basically means you get diluted uh, and they might have to close more. Anyway, long story short, um, this is now at this point in time typical for the really true value investor that thinks at some point it's going to go open, that's probably true, at some point we are going to go make, do some travel again, that's probably true. The problem with that scenario is it's not going to happen next week. It's not going to happen next month. And in the meantime, it's anyone's guess how long that will take. And in the meantime, these guys are burning cash. Yeah, and burning cash. Uh, they need the, <laughs> the state borders to open in the first instance. We'll see if we get any forward momentum on that when it comes to Queensland this weekend. Claude, uh, recovery trade? Yeah, well, I... I d it's the pain trade. I don't. I don't like it. There are way better recovery trades to do, much better, easier ones. This is one where you you could lose big or potentially mm. win big. Mm. You can find recovery trades that are significantly more asymmetric. Like you won't lose much, but you could win if there's a recovery, and that's the kind of recovery trade to look for, in my opinion. Which means you're looking for a company that is not putting cash on fire at an alarming rate. Yeah, yeah, tough well, times. Well, one thing is a very safe thing to say here. Not long ago, it was $50, $40. It's not going to go back there. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm, maybe ever. 
right? And if it does, it will take a really, really long time. So people who, some people have this expectation, they see it on the price side, it was there, now it's here, surely it's gonna go back at some stage, no. But I think you just, you can wait for the actual reopening, right? That's Nobody true, knows, yeah. like, it's, I doubt it's gonna like double the day that it goes away, because it's gonna be a slow process, you know, mm. such and such a thing opens up, oh no, it closes again, you know, vaccine, oh no, the vaccine doesn't work properly. Yeah. There's gonna be so many like, you know, hiccups on our way to a COVID-free world. And people's willingness to or, fly and yeah. uh, how expensive it's going to be. There's a lot of unknowns still when it comes to travel, as we well know. All right, so that is a no from both the guys. Emerge Gaming, EM1 is uh, the ticker code. Darren has written in about this one. So this is an interesting one because a bit of controversy around Emerge Gaming right now. Yes, it's in that hot thematic. Right, Rudy? Lots of people talking about gaming stocks. Claude, yeah, know, Rudy's looking at me with his but, one eyebrow. But <laughs> I, yeah, like, you know, we get a lot of questions I mean, about gaming. I think, that's where good, great, I, think, I think that's where the good news stops. <laughs> we had a great gaming ETF on last time I was on the show. Yeah. I was like, if you want the gaming thing, yeah. we've so had that on me. the show. I was yeah, there. But, you know, um, people continue to, to ask about these companies. Yeah. So this yeah, is where the discussion yeah. happens. There has been a bit of controversy because it used a market, multi-level marketing company to drum up interest in its platform, one of its, uh, you know, well-publicized. So I think they said that they had about six million pre-registrations. Now the question is, are those all real? Yeah, so I essentially have, my, one of my supporters has done the work that essentially has broken this story first okay. on Reddit, in my opinion, is he was the guy that broke it and some of the smart little ASX bet guys just got out on the basis of his research oh, okay. and that's probably the right thing to do because basically, you know, people who are signing up as pre-registrations, you can find this, Crowd1 is the company, right? You can Google it yourself, it's all really obvious. They have a thing where they're saying, you know, go and sign up as a pre-register and you win, win rewards and then get as many other people as you can to sign yeah. up and you win rewards, which creates an incentive for somebody else to just go and like, I don't know, make accounts and sign them up because they're getting at least the promise of rewards just for signing people up, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know how many of those people are going to become paying customers, but I'm skeptical that it's many. The fact that it, the fact that it has that uh, point of attack is, is already a big question mark or like an exclamation mark, if you want to. That's just the beginning. Yeah, exactly, well. <laughs> exactly. Um, I mean, my, my philosophy is very simple, and this is probably the reason why I sometimes don't get invited back again to conferences. <laughs> I, was, I was at a conference last year and it was specific about uh, small cap stocks. And one, one of the panel members made this um, statement that they said, like, well, small cap stocks have growth and large cap stocks don't. No? And I made a whole speech of maybe 20 minutes that that's completely wrong. Uh, I mean, just one example, CSL has done 28% per year since 1994, and that's a large cap stock. Um, people have this absolutely wrong idea that, that you, you have to go to really idly tiddly pun tiddly company stocks that to, to find growth. Yeah? What you take on board is a massive amount of risk. I mean, I hadn't even heard about this company until today. Right? That gives you an idea about, this company has been listed for a while, it has done nothing. It still has right? no receipts from customers. Exactly. Is, for two years has they've been nothing. saying that they've got a platform. By the way, they have another platform, MTA Arena or whatever yeah. in um, South Africa. I looked yeah. at that as well. Basically, that's just the thing where you can put in your phone number and they'll add like a little charge to your bill so you get access to whatever it is. Like there was literally a, game, a company called Mobile Embrace in Australia a few years ago that sort of had a similar-ish business model. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but like eventually that just went to zero essentially and got renamed something else because Optus decided they didn't want to be part of it anymore. 
So it's all, but the whole thing here was risk, yeah. If this share price doubles, it's probably because your neighbor put in fifty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but then, then, then the neighbor wants wants to take profits, and then it goes down by eighty yeah. percent. So, yeah? so this is happening literally because Facebook groups and Reddit is jumping on this stock, and it's just like this. Mm. Everyone's going in, and this is there are people that is job it is to promote stocks, yes. right? And so. The stock goes up and it's gone up a lot. It was languishing yeah. under one cent, I think, for like years, which is exactly where it deserves to be. And then it still has no revenue, but suddenly Facebook loves it, Reddit yeah. loves it, and the stock goes up. But then, and it's going to keep going up until they um, stop loving it, and then it's going to go yeah. suck down again. Until the last person passes on and then finds <laughs> out there's nobody left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. Okay, all right. I thought you weren't invited back to conferences because you hang around the buffet table and clean yeah, it that's, up Yeah, that's, that's what I do too. <laughs> all right, Catapult Sports Group, or Catapult Group International, I should say. It's uh, it's sports analytics and wearables. Uh, it is a question coming to us from Andrew. Hello, Andrew. I hope you're watching or listening. CAT is the ticker code. So it's uh, signed a few deals lately with American football. Um you know, it, it sounds great. It sounds like good technology. Um, software as a service as well. Drop in a few of those uh, buzzwords. What do you think? You have to take a... I mean, I've only been following it a little bit on the sidelines because it's not the type of company I, 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 I'm, I'm generally interested in. But in general, they, they obviously... They provide technology for sporting teams. I mean, it helps. So it allows them to analyze their. It helps. Yes. It help, movements it help. and everything else. But yes, exactly. specifically when, when, you're, when you're injured, and it, it allows you to it allows the, the medical staff to assess whether whether a sporting guy is, is is back to where he was or not, and often that's not visible with the the human eye or with with the exercises we we, we, we have them do. And there's a lot of other stuff they can do. But long and the short of it is, they were doing quite well coming from nothing, being listed and then uh, increasingly signing up sporting teams. But now, of course, the, the context has changed, and now you have to question how many of those sporting teams are now focused on getting this new technology on board because they're probably restrained in their budget. And a lot of those sporting teams, are at the very least, competitions have stopped. They, I mean, they're not playing, basically. So I think this, is, this has become, again, a very high risk, very uncertain environment. Like, what are sporting teams going to do? I don't know. Are the sporting teams, are, are they going to spend money on, on them still? While maybe their budget, budgets are restrained, they don't know where the competition is going, etc., etc. So I think there's, there's too much for me, too much uncertainty, and, and therefore, um, to, to, put a, to put it very simple, there are easier ways of making money in the share market than taking on a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, um, I will reference my FN Arena page, and this is a note from Morgan. So just to play devil's advocate, uh, it came. Uh, out with results in line with expectations, last reporting season, mm -hmm. positive free cash flow, one year ahead of guidance, uh, limited impact from COVID-19. And uh, Morgan's at least believes the company has a long runway of growth ahead of it if it can execute well. Mm -hmm. Execution risk, is that the problem with Catapult? Okay, it absolutely is, but I've, I've followed this for a long time, right? And I've actually previously owned shares on this. Mm -hmm. I've made money on it, and then I've also lost some of that money for sure because I bought more at a higher price and then sold it lower so uh, yeah. um, oh, well. basically this, the longer term story here which I can share um, is 
basically, you know, this has got this great tech, it's a good business, 100 million revenue now, and they've got a good business in that, like, it sort of has network effects, because, and it's a bit sticky, so people start on Catapult, they want to stay on Catapult, they've kind of got the data, that kind of thing. So it's got a good basic for, basic setting for revenue growth long term. However, they had serious mishaps and serious mismanagement. So for example, the big detour that they've just come back from is they decided to go into prosumer, whatever that is, and burnt however many millions of cash trying to sell similar tech, but more to like amateur sports people. Prosumer is us, yes. Yeah, it's, well, surely not me, yeah, but like okay. some people that are more Poor sporting than me. <laughs> um, the, basically, and that didn't work, and it was never going to work. And in fact, the chairman I'd found previously um, was sort of quoting saying, no, we focus on elite for very good reasons. Well, a couple of years later, they decided to go into Prosumer, yes, don't yes, know why. Yes. They paid massive salaries, not even to like the CEO top people, but to even like the next people below that were trying to launch this um, stuff. I remember seeing one guy, you know, on 500K a year, this never got off the ground. It never made money. They shut it down and stopped it. Yeah. And that is why they've now got better results mm. because they've mm. stopped doing something that was hurting them. Yes. And that's good, but that's not a forever repeatable no. process. Yeah. So that is my one yeah, um, yeah. bit. Having said that, this is totally an investable comp company. Mm. I don't disagree with those brokers. I think they do have a long runway for growth. This is a great question and a great company to talk about. And indeed, you know, it's definitely remains on my watch list. My problem was that there were a lot of mistakes make, made happening and nobody who was making the bad decisions was being okay, shuffled sure. out. Okay. That's changing now. It's getting better. I think this is one to watch. I don't own. It's not a buy for me, but it's definitely one to watch. So what would be the catalyst then? I, I would like to see the free cash flow sustained yeah. because I don't, I'm not sure about how repeatable what they've done is they've they've been getting their shipping order lately which is great mm -hmm. and if they can continue to grow revenue and they got free cash flow so they don't need to raise any more capital mm -hmm. then that's where the win will come these guys raised capital i think it was two dollars something then a dollar twenty then a, a, i can't remember the exact numbers but yeah. they just went down and down and down every guy that participated in a capital raising was offered shares cheaper later yeah. so that yeah. anyways it's, it's turning around now i think it's turning around now one to watch for sure but you want to see that it has abandoned its bad old ways which was essentially that it was really really spending way too much money for not good roi okay so that is catapult group andrew hope that helped whitehawk whitehawk i was going to say whitehawk security but it's actually just called whitehawk whk is the ticker code David has written in about this one, um, cybersecurity. So this again is uh, you know a growing area of the market, lots of attention being put on cybersecurity. Uh, it says that it's got a real-time end-to-end automated product offering, and it's got a lot of um, presence in the US. So mm. I think it's primarily US focused when it comes to getting those contract wins. So again, Aussie listed yeah, company strange. focused in the US. What do you make of it? Well, so this is an interesting one. This at first glance to me, this looks like the kind of company that I wouldn't I wouldn't touch at all. But it's not as bad as some of the other ones. Like this is not like Emerge Gaming. Like this is a bit more interesting than that. So this is um, this is founded by a former deputy director of U.S. Naval Intelligence, and it's essentially a U.S. company trying to win U.S. contracts. Now I don't understand why. She has decided to do this in the vehicle of an ASX listed company. I do. Really does? Why? I do. Because if you know it's a small to medium sized company, the, the, the New York Stock Exchange is not there for you. Mm -hmm. That You can't list. It's effectively you can't. I mean, they, the requirements are so, uh, these days have changed so much that you actually already have to be 
a large company mm -hmm. before you list there. So what that means, if, if you are a small one, this is really a small one, then you have to uh, go for, uh, and previously they might have gone to Israel or so, and these days, ASX has done a really good job, in, and that's why we see increasingly. NASDAQ of the Asia Pacific. That's why, exactly, that's why we see increasingly those companies ending up in Australia. Okay, so that is not a strike against it. No. To, uh, so now go on with the story about where it's winning contracts and how. Well, so it's, so this is a, an opaque market. It's all about cyber um, stuff, and obviously and the- it's government contracts. And yeah. it's government contracts. So it's really hard to make predictions. Now looking, now they do have a little bit of revenue, not enough for me to really consider it. It's less than a million dollars revenue. But they've got a little bit of revenue, so they're not, you know, they've got something going. Now that revenue is about a 52% margin, so that indicates to me that it's not selling some sweet solution. It's like basically got smart people that know how to do things, which is probably well, the bio enough. of the uh, the CEO is pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's probably got talented people that are essentially maybe growing some sort of contracting thing with the U.S. government, which could definitely become a profitable thing one day. Now, whether that justifies buying shares now, I would call it extremely high risk, but possibly one worth watching. Like this is this is definitely not put it in the bin, but it's not that exciting to me either. Let me tell you a story. I was at a conference last year, but small caps. <laughs> Hanging out by the buffet. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I agree with everything that Claude just said. It is literally too small for comfort. I mean, people have this idea that if you make one million dollars in turnover it's such an easy job to get to two million dollars which on paper is true in practice however you, you if you fall back to half a million dollars which is equally as easily done or you or you venture into a into a into a territory like catapult does and it doesn't pay off it can literally destroy everything you just build up so i mean these guys are turning over what what some of the ceos uh, use as a lunch money <laughs> it's, it's literally is almost that much so um without being able to without necessarily denigrate or but it's just too too high risk yeah. uh, for for the common investor, I would argue. Okay, all right, we are at the halfway mark. Uh, so let me just sum things up for you so far. As far as the stock of the day goes, Erod ERD is the ticker code that will not be going in the portfolio. Claude likes it. He actually owns a bit of it. Uh, he's doing more research on that company. But for Rudy, it is just a watch and wait scenario that goes to his real investment thesis. That's that's who he is and how he does things, and we love him for it. All right, let's get to the companies that you wrote in about Ansel. Ansel is an interesting one. Rudy likes it. It's a, a long, he's been a long time fan, he said, but think about the price. You wanna wait for periods of volatility, buy on any pullback. Claude really likes it as well. And interestingly, he says that through this pandemic, the value of its brand has likely also increased as well because it's quality, People like brand names when they're feeling insecure. However, he says it's a hold again because of price. If you're looking for an entry point, so he said $32 is probably looking pretty good. Flight Center is the next one on the list. This one's coming to us from Harry. Uh, Rudy says, look, it's likely going to have to raise capital again. That could lead to further dilution. There's just so many unknowns when it comes to this whole reopening thematic when we're going to get back to being able to travel so claude agrees he says it's basically a pain trade so you're either going to lose very big or you're going to win very big either way it's risky emerge gaming em1 is the ticker code darren if you listen to the guys here this is not on your buy list uh don't know how else to say it it is just really risky um it, there's skepticism around the whole business model itself why would you want to be in such a risky 
company name, according to my experts here. Catapult Group International is fourth on the list. This one for Andrew. Uh, Rudy just says no, there's just too much uncertainty. There are easier ways to make some money out there. And uh, Claude probably agrees. He says it is interesting. Uh, it is execution that it comes down to for him. It's an investable company, but he wants to see the free cash flow sustained before he would look to get into this company, if at all. And Whitehawk is the fifth on the list, WHK. Look, interesting company, cybersecurity, very opaque, not making a lot of money. Rudy reckons that he could spend that, uh, I'd say at a couple lunches in this city, <laughs> as far as its revenue goes. Claude says it's interested, but it's just, it's extremely, extremely high risk. So that is where we're at right now. I think it's worthwhile then no companies going into the portfolio. Let's just check in to see how we've been tracking since the beginning of July. So you know the rules. Any company that gets two thumbs up from both of our experts on the show we've been putting in. So weekly, we're down. We're down this week, close to three and a half percent. But on the month, we're up by about four and a half percent year to date. So this is from July 1st. Uh, the call portfolio is up by about 13%. So some of the companies we've added recently, we've added Appin, a few TFs from our ETF special episode, including Morningstar's Global Technology ETF, Venek Vectors Video Gaming, an eSports ETF, as well as the China New Economy ETF, and also an Australian Property Securities Index ETF from Vanguard. You can check out all of the companies or the ETFs we've got in the call portfolio by heading to that address at the bottom of your screen. You can also check, um, I should say catch up with that special ETF episode we did via our website or our app and we'll continue to update you how that portfolio is tracking each and every day. Oh, coming up next, <laughs> I thought that was gonna be rolled out. We'll be speaking with Cameron McIntyre. He's the car sales CEO. We will talk as it launches a new mobility platform to help consumers compare and book multiple methods of transport. That is at 1.50. Do hope you can join us for that. Okay, let's get back to it, shall we? You guys have had a sip of water, feeling pretty good. Let's get to number six on the list. This is coming to us from Kylie. AML3D, AL3 is the ticker code. So I had to look this one up myself. Large scale 3D metal printing, but it also appears as if they've got some sort of metal ad additive manufacturing technology. Did you have to look this one up, Rudy, or do you know this off, no, I off by heart? And then I, then I checked, then I checked my, my lunch and dinner uh, obligations, and I thought like, oh, I could sort of fit that one in. <laughs> Way too small. I mean, the long and the short of it is, again, why take on the big unknown and, and going to the idly piddly tilly ones. Um, way too short, way too much risk, way too unknowns. Uh, Claude, it has recently by, been selected by ASC Shipbuilding, which is a subsidiary of BAE Systems Australia, as a potentially being able to participate in its shipbuilding activities. I find it hard to get my head around when it comes to 3D metal manufacturing and additives, but uh, what do you make of the company if you know it or yeah, have researched it? This is this is a spot that has seen like a lot of like hype stocks over the years and I can't even remember the name, but we had one not even that long ago mm -hmm, yeah. uh, on the yeah. ASX that I, sort of I, went I up and then down. Yeah. And then this sort of happens constantly and it happened in America in a big way, mm -hmm. like maybe five years ago now, these yeah. 3D printing stocks just went nuts. Yes, yes. Um, mostly they never really make any profits. It's not a great business model. You know, it, this isn't a software business model where you've built something and the more you sell it, it just finishes the bottom line. This is all like, they have to do big investing in technology. You know, if Ostile has executed a contract to develop components for maritime defense applications, okay, who knows 
what money that will bring um, AML 3D. Uh, and who knows if they can even make profit off that revenue. But I'm guessing that if there was some cheap and easy way for Ocel to... Like, Ocel is doing that because they think it's cheaper for us to maybe get you to use shareholder money to do it than it is for us right, to right, do right, it ourselves. Right. Yeah. So Ocel's the one that's the, the smart one there. These guys are going to be using shareholder capital to essentially loss lead and to prove that they have capabilities. It's going to be a long road before these guys make a profit. Having said that, you know, this is listed really recently... I think to to raise seven million dollars for commercialization, i.e., it doesn't have a business really now. So it's an idea with some money, and it's telling a story. And the fundamental truth, when you have that situation, is the share price is just going to fluctuate based on how many people believe that story and how many people are excited about that story. So this is not a share price prediction, but also I think you know, for me, I I put this in the same category right now as cryptocurrencies. Like I don't know if it's going to go up or down, but there's no business for me to value there. So I, I can't really have a view other than that, you know, I'd obviously avoid it. It's probably dependent on how many Facebook groups. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. If you want to analyze this yeah. company, then like monitor all like Reddit and the Facebook groups and stuff like that and try to spot when there's like an inflection point on people piling in. And you might be like, I can't yeah. do I'm not going to do all that stuff. Like that doesn't like And like who are those me. people anyway? I'm not, gonna I'm not base insulting anybody who's bunkers. on it, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, a, it's not perhaps the, the most sound way. Yeah, so I'm looking for ways in the market where I have like an edge, where I've done more research, where I understand something better than somebody. Yeah. Um, that I'm not going to find that here. That's how I started this saying I don't really understand it. But anyways, uh, I'm also not the smartest person in the room. Let's get to our next company, Waypoint REIT. Alain uh-huh. has uh, written in about Waypoint REIT. So this is a REIT, which sometimes can sound bad, but it does own petrol stations, convenience stores. <laughs> There's lots of them about and they're doing quite well through this pandemic. They're doing quite well. Full disclosure, I'm a shareholder have been for quite a while and I think uh, it's only fair to say in the in the current context where um, the banks, Telstra, uh, the likes of Transurban, Sydney Airport, a lot of uh, infrastructure plays have had to cut their dividends at the very least. Uh, these guys will not cut their dividends and, and, and they actually, there's a sort of a protection in their cash flow in that it's, it, it grows by, by two or three percent a year. Um, um, unless disaster happens and, and even COVID wasn't enough of a disaster to, to disrupt that picture. So I regard Waypoint and um, the, the previous name, which might ring a bell for some people, is Viva yeah, Energy. Viva Energy. Um, so they, they changed name, but that's because Viva Energy uh, uh, forced them to. Um, but if you want, if there was a concept in Australia as of, of dividend aristocrats, which is a, it's a concept from the US where companies um, uh, don't cut their dividends for 25 years at the least, uh, this would be a potential dividend aristocrat in Australia. Like okay. They don't cut their dividends, it grows every year, it's quite stable. Of course, it's, it's, it's being moved by, by, the, by the, the desire for income and yield and by bond yields. But apart from that, occasionally they do an acquisition, which basically means they buy an extra petrol mm-hmm. station. And um, it's, a, it's not spectacular, but you know what? Not all stocks in portfolio need to be spectacular, right? Yes. Receiving a check every six months is uh, is, fu- is good <laughs> Something enough comforting me. about that. Okay, $2.69 though is where it's um, priced right now. I, th- I think that's fairly priced. Um, people, if you look back, it, it has gone as low as, I th- actually think, below $2 at, par- at times. In those days, I, w- I didn't know what the market was thinking. I probably bought some extra shares in those days. It has gone as high as I think, for memory, two ninety, two ninety something. Yeah. 
it's probably fairly priced here. So it's not exceptionally cheap, but you know what? It, all, it gives you a yield that pre pre previously the banks were paying. Is this the first the buy of this uh, program? Is it buy? Mm, uh, no, um, yeah, I would, oh. if, if you're looking for, for <laughs> consistent, reliable yield, by all means. I'm going to have to drag that it, buy it, out it, of it gives, it, gives you, it gives you something <laughs> like 5.9% on 12 months out or something. So that's Waypoint right. REIT, Clark. Um, I, I mean, I've got to defer to Rudy on this one. It's a par, par and mar. He, he knows way more about it than me. I do think it's decent though. Like, mm. I completely agree. Rudy knows that I do not like REITs in general. But if I were going to buy a REIT, this is totally the kind of one I would. And we've chatted about it before. And I think at that stage, I was a little bit or oh, a bit worried about things because of COVID. But if anything, Australia has shown that we are absolute legends and we will take this thing seriously, which means we can still be driving around the country and doing domestic tourism yeah. and stuff like that. So overall, if anything, I- Is I've this a father-in-law stock? Though? Yeah, I reckon okay. it is. All right. But Wait. it's a hold from me. So. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, you have it because every six months a check comes in. Yeah, okay, let's get to the next one. Obje Objective Corporation, OCL. This is from Michaela, so this is interesting. Another one that came up in my rich list conversation this exactly, morning. Yes. Um, Tony Walls, totally under the radar. It's a reg tech company. I'm gonna start with you, Claude. Uh, also, Michaela is so smart for asking this question because this is like one of the best stocks on the ASX. Obviously, I hold it. Obviously, it's my one of my bigger holdings. But we've talked about it before. And if you just Google, you know, Claude on Objective Corp, you know, a video comes up of me on this exact program talking about it in May, saying how good it is. And it's doubled since May. It is credit good. I held it in due. May. I was saying it on this show in May. This is a great company. And the new article in the AFR about the CEO only makes me like it even more. Like this guy's an absolute legend. He doesn't pay himself a fortune. He gets his money through dividends. Um, he doesn't seek out the limelight. He doesn't sell. He's not selling down. He doesn't yeah. sell shares. Like what more do you want in a CEO? Well, we saw that chart up on the screen. If we can bring it back up, then, then, then you know, it becomes down to price. So $13.45. Uh, have you missed the boat in getting in on this one? In my opinion, no, like this is still a buy. Now, maybe it's going to come up and down a bit. Maybe it's gotten a little bit ahead of itself right today. But if you look at their annual results, they, all parts of their business are growing. They have a good, um, they have like good prospects in both organic growth and they've recently made an acquisition, including um, the acquisition of iTree, which looks pretty good to me. And I think that was the last time I bought more shares because I was like, I thought that that acquisition, which is essentially just buying compatible synergy um, software company, and you would hope they can put it together properly as long as it, and it wasn't, it, they're not betting the company. So they've got two levers for growth, organic and growing my acquisitions. Yes, I would say the share price has arguably gotten a little bit ahead of itself, but I wouldn't delay. I would, I would just, I own this in, and if anything, I'm not, I'm not planning to sell. Like, I might try and buy some more if it comes back down because this isn't like well known yet, right? Like even though we've been talking about but it. I, I do this all day and it, I, it, I don't know it, a lot of it. Yeah. It's only in all old hours, I think. Yeah, exactly. It's not in the ASX 200. This thing is going to fly <laughs> one day. We got it, we got it, five o'clock. Rudy, don't rain on this parade or rain on the parade. Eventually, I mean, that's what we're here to do. I'm definitely that's not going to rain on Claude's parade. We have spoken about this company before. Um, Did you buy it? <laughs> and we didn't buy it at the time. Um, there's, there's a few things to add, and, and, I, and I will really uh, jump on this one. A, a share price, expensive or cheap, is a very, for the white companies, is a very short-term consideration. Right? Like if you go back in time, and for example, uh, an REA group, I mean, 
expensive last year, expensive the year before, expensive basically every year, yet the share price recently touched an all-time high, which means that um, if you're comfortable, comfortable with the growth of the company that, that comes ahead, then you can buy it, like Claude said, without paying attention to what happens in the short term. However, we all have this mental barrier that we don't want to buy and then immediately the share price goes down. I mean, oh, terrible. It just weighs on your sentiment and this is that barrier for most people. But this is something I've learned as well from, from the right companies, we have to realize it's a short-term consideration. Yeah? The, the, the time bef before we spoke about this one, there was a comparison made between uh, Technology One and Objective. The reason for that is, is because Objective is regarded as a, as a, as a potential or, or a mini version of Technology One. Technology One is probably, no, not probably, is by, by far the best technology company that in software that Australia has ever had. Mm -hmm. Technology One is in the index, recently fell to $7.5, is now $9. On that comparison, I think that both, uh, maybe objective is a bit more expensive, but um, in both cases, Technology One is a similar, a similar example. Eh? It was expensive at, at $5, it was expensive at $3. Yes, recently it touched more, more than $10. The problem is, if you buy that 10 and it goes to 7.5, you feel really, really bad. Yeah. Right? Although it's now back at nine, yeah. right? and that's the thing. That's why mentally, Claude might be correct, but mentally you want to wait until it has a pullback, and then at the very least, you get on board, you take a long-term view, and you're not suffering mentally from the fact it's down and I bought it. I feel it, like right? you're you're uh, <laughs> coming for a counseling session here. Ruby. No, no, but is I'm, it a buy? Long story short. Long term, yes. Short term, I would regard it as a hold here. Not going in the portfolio. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Is that fair enough? I think that's fair. It's yes. on 20 times ARR right now, which yeah. is historically expensive for it. That's yeah. not cheap. But like at 15 times ARR, yeah. I would probably buy it. Whether that's because ARR has gone up and the share price has stayed yeah. the same or because the share price comes down a bit. Okay. But All right. Or a bit of It's both. the same with technology one, for example. At 750, you go, it's a bargain. $9, you go, yeah, maybe wait a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're in a volatile time for the market, so you never know. Life 360 has been um, written in by Omer. Uh, 360 is the ticker code. So this is location-based services. Had a bit of blowback because teens, of course, don't want to be cyber-stalked by their parents. But uh, apparently they went on TikTok, engaged with a lot of teenagers, came up with this idea of a bubble. So rather than your parents as a teenager being able to know exactly where you are, they know the rough area where you are so you can be shopping or at a friend's house within this bubble anyways I'm sort of doing the selling for them but I did think it was yeah. kind of a good idea uh, I was once a teenager what do you think of life 360 that's so funny that you say that I never was a teenager <laughs> <laughs> no matter what I escaped there but uh, a few things a few observations to make this is not a new company they've actually reinvented themselves mm -hmm. they had a different name before it's another American-based company. I, I think it's uh, I think it's in Silicon Valley. Silicon yeah. Valley and and listed in the U uh, on Australia again. Another example why they don't go to the Nasdaq in the U.S. but they come to Australia. They've sort of awakened in in only quite recently, and um, they are in the bigger scheme of things. Um, I mean, there are quite some fans out there, stockbrokers covering it, and they're getting quite enthusiastic because the numbers look look really good this year. Um, but I think. The fact that it had to reinvent itself, didn't do anything for quite a while, is now doing well. Um, that sort of, I think, should should uh, don't don't go overboard. That's Cautionary tale. Yes, uh, a little bit. Yes. Life three sixty. At the moment, is doing well. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you do reasonably well with this. Uh, I don't personally like it. I don't see myself 
ever owning it. I think it's like got a, a, a number of uh, structural issues. I think the big good story here is that like this tracking stuff could potentially um, be a value add. For example, if someone agrees to have all their data sent to their car insurance company or something like that, and then their car insurance can give them lower insurance and stuff like that. For me, look, I'm, you know, I, you know, believe in, in Medicare and looking after people and stuff. But for me, like just tracking everyone everywhere is like probably just, a, you'd have to have a very far. compelling reason to do that. Like maybe COVID reasons, but definitely not just for like getting a slightly mm. cheaper car insurance. So it surprises me that mm. so many people are so enthusiastic about the long-term vision. But having said that, I'm not like against the company. I don't think it's mm. bad company or anything like that. So for me, I'd probably put it in um, the hold category. Just I just don't see the long-term risk reward as being as compelling as it could, but that could be my own bias as being like, I don't personally like the product, therefore yeah, yeah. it's bad. That That's usually wrong if you're biased like that. So I'd sort of sub myself out mm -hmm. and say, maybe I'm biased against it. Okay, all right. A final, um, final company on the list coming to us from Lisa, News Corp, News Corporation, NWS. Uh, so I think when you talk about News Corp, don't you really have to be cognizant of the fact that it owns about 60, 62% of REA well, well, Group? Well, the first, the first thing I was thinking of, it's no longer a shareholder of this channel. It was of the previous one. Well, yeah, <laughs> nothing to do with this, this streaming service. Never did, is that right? No, exactly. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking um, Kevin Rudd and Malcolm Turnbull. Um, but um, I think in general terms, uh, this, there are different reasons why you, why you own a stock. And this is a complete different reason, which I'm going to explain right now. I don't own it, by the way, and I, I would never even consider owning it um, for my particular reasons. Um, th the reason is as follows. It is a major shareholder in REA Group, and basically the share price predominantly reflects the value of REA Group. And that has been the mantra of value investors now for ages you know, buy News Corp because you get you get REA group and the rest for free the problem is that the market is ascribing no value to the free stuff and you're basically just having a, a, a almost a subsidiary of REA the other way around um, so the reason why you own News Corp here or why you would consider buying it is that at some stage they will find a way to get REA plus the rest in the share price now how they're gonna do that I don't know at one stage, they sold off um, a 20th, 20th century, 21st mm -hmm. century Fox, and they create a lot of value out of that for shareholders. At the moment, the books, all the newspapers, all, everything they have, the share market is telling them, it's, we, don't, we don't care. Yeah, right? okay. News Corp, Claude. Yeah, so I would also never buy it. Um, the only thing I can really add to what Rudy said, which is all completely correct, is that I think that it's going to get like harder over time so there's two questions like one is how it is now accurate view there one is what's it going to look like in five years whatever i think for the non uh, realestate.com.au parts of um, news corp it gets harder over time what's been happening in is that there's been like a lot of media consolidation over the last few years which has sort of benefited news corp we are seeing that going the other way now um that that is sort of peaked there's you know kevin rudd's on the warpath um you've got uh, a whole bunch of like new opportunities for people to start competing in that space. And the younger generation coming through are not gonna get their news from an established source just because it's established source. They'll be shopping around for whatever gives them the most bang for their attention buck, right? So there are two things here. You want money to like 
pay for your staff and everything. So you need people to pay subscriptions or something like that. Everyone needs that. And then what you're competing on is who gives the most value and the most delight for the time someone spent having that, um, having that watching or reading or whatever yeah. it is. Now that depends on your talent. And for News Corp, it's, they've gone from being like the employer of choice or one of the employer of choice. They're losing that mantle and they're going to find it harder and more expensive to retain top talent, which is just a tailwind against them. So therefore, they're either going to lose top talent or they're going to have to pay more for top talent. So that doesn't work in their favour so much anymore. So I think it gets harder for them. Okay, Having that's... said so, the Wall Street Journal, there was value there. Yeah. And probably also in the, in, in the book publishing. Uh, and Dow Jones, well. yeah, Dow Jones, Wall yes. Street Journal. Okay, so let's leave News Corp there. NWS is the ticker code. Let me sum up the past five stocks for you. AML3D, AL3 is the ticker code. Lots of hype around it uh, in that 3D printing space, Claude says. But um, doesn't make profits. Uh, there's no business to value in his view. And Rudy says, look, it's just way too small. So that's a no. That's a no, Kylie, for that one. Waypoint REIT, Rudy, in full disclosure, he is a shareholder. He enjoys those checks that he gets every six months or so. He says it's pretty fairly priced. It's actually a buy even now from Rudy. And uh, Claude does not disagree with any of Rudy's thesis. He says it's sort of a father-in-law stock. He doesn't really like the REITs in general, but it's a hold for him. Objective Corporation. I'm sure you could feel the excitement coming from Claude on this one. He says, it is a buy. Michele, you're a genius for asking about it. Claude called it back in May on this very program. So if you'd like to go back and watch that episode, I'm sure you could as well. Rudy says, look, it is a hold for him. You could uh, you know, really question yourself if you buy it at current prices and it falls back. So he says, just wait potentially for some type of pullback. But I think both of them agree that it's a, it's a good company. Um, well run as well. Life 360, Claude doesn't really like it, probably just because he doesn't really feel like getting tracked down or handing over his data uh, for those purposes. It's a hold though for him if he takes himself out of the equation. There's nothing wrong with the company. It's um, got some structural issues, but it's not bad. And Rudy just says, no, um, it had to reinvent itself. So probably indicative of, of yeah, it's something that he's not too keen to get on board. Again, probably better ways to make money out there in the stock market if you're Rudy Philippek Van Dyke. And then News Corporation, neither one of them would consider buying it regardless. Uh, Rudy says you're buying it uh, based on REA Group, getting the rest of it for free, but what are you getting? So it's uh, not really worth it. Uh, Claude says, yeah, it's only going to get harder from here for News Corp. So Kylie, or sorry, Lisa, that is a no for News Corp as well. Boy, it was thin on the ground for buys today, but I do hope you enjoyed the program. Huge thanks to our guests, Rudy Philippek Van Dyke FN Arena, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. If you'd like to get a stock or company for us to cover, you can do so via the, uh, the addresses on your screen.